0: Italian Wine Podcast. Cin with Italian wine people.
1: Hello, you're listening to the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Warden, and today's guest is Carlo Franchetti. Carlo, I'm going to let you explain exactly what you do in wine in Tuscany.
0: Okay, well, thank you for having me, Monty. It's a pleasure to be here. As you know, I wear many hats, but uh, my main hat is uh, marketing manager of uh, Tenuta di Trinoro, which is our our winemaking estate in Tuscany, in Valdorcia, not too far south from uh, Montalcino, just to put the, the place in context. I also look after our other winery, which is called uh, Passo Picciaro in Sicily. And uh, I've recently become a, a, a winemaker myself with a Pinot Noir project in Tuscany, very nearby, Tenuta di Trinoro. So how, how
1: uh, your, your vineyard in the, the Val d'Orcia is the Orcia Valley, made famous in the Gladiator film, a lot of filming done in the Orcia Valley, sexy shots of Russell Crowe standing in fields of barley, right? Uh, but you're a little bit higher up than that, aren't you? Yes, I'm actually,
0: with my Pinot Noir, I'm not in Val d'Orcia. Tenuta di Trinoro is in Val d'Orcia. I'm up on a hill, basically on a ridge, on a ridge line that separates the very southern part of Tuscany from Umbria. I almost straddle the border with. Umbria.
1: Okay so that must be quite a cool spot right? It
0: is it is it's high up the top of the ridge is 800 meters of altitude the vineyards that I've planted are at 650 meters I'm looking to plant some more at uh, 700 meters and on uh, on the north side of the hill where I am at the moment I'm on the south side I'm pretty happy with the results I'm getting but I think I can get even more finesse and elegance by moving further higher up on the north side.
1: What is it about your family that always wants to push everything to the extreme?
0: Well you know I uh, the world is awash with lots of wine uh, I think you know especially if you're a small producer uh, you want to make something special and to make something special you got to push the limits you can't make something that everybody does otherwise you're dead from moment one and also I mean we're, we're fond of special things special places beauty I mean we, we come from a family which is a very artistic family uh, we've been art collectors and art dealers for two centuries and starting in Venice <laughs> and uh, we were attracted to the beauty of Tuscany and uh, we want to get a bit of that beauty in, in the wine that we're making. I think that the magic of a place is very important and you get that in the wine if you are in a special place and you get a special wine.
1: Okay so just give me a quick glimpse of what your Pinot Noir tastes like from these very high sites on the border with Umbria, Umbria okay. Tuscany. Uh,
0: well obviously they're a bit more robust, uh, a little bit more concentrated than the Burgundy uh, Pinot Noirs but uh, without taking it too far it's not a big fruit Pinot Noir as some of the older California Californian Pinot Noirs tended to, to be. It's a little it's, bit firmer, you mean? It's a little bit firmer, yeah. A little bit richer than your, your average Burgundy. I mean, it's like a, a bit of like a Pomard, a Pomard in a big year.
1: Okay. <laughs> so let's go back to the original estate that your family founded was the Tenuta di Trinoro. That's tell me right. Little, tell me a little bit about the history, okay. how you got involved with the rest of the family.
0: Tenuta di Trinoro, let's take a step, step back, was, is the brainchild of my cousin, Andrea Franchetti. He really started the wine business, the family wine business, back in the early 90s. Uh, he started out as a wine importer, an importer of top French Bordeaux wines, his passion, and top Italian wines in New York. This was in the 80s. And it was a very exciting moment because it was a period in which Italian, the super Tuscans, were becoming famous and uh, everybody was talking about them. And uh, uh, Sassicaia, and Sassicaia and that's right, Macedo, Tignanello, Ornellaia was just starting. So, uh, but but basically what that meant was that uh, finally Bordeaux grew grapes grown in Italy were gaining acceptance on the international market. And uh, that was good news for Andrea because uh, his big love is for Bordeaux. And so he had this fantastic estate in uh, Valdorcia, Tenuta di Trinoro, which has very similar conditions to Montalcino. We're just uh, 50 kilometers south of Montalcino. So very similar microclimate and very similar soil conditions to Montalcino. And Andrea figured that uh, he could, he he would probably make a, a very interesting
1: Bordeaux blend in that area. It's a very isolated estate, isn't it, to get there? Uh, requires a bit of um, luck.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, but you know, that's that's part of the beauty of it, I guess. But, but uh, I mean, that's that's really a coincidence. Andrea bought this estate in the seventies. Is it a sheep? It, it it was it was not. It was a uh, completely abandoned. You got to keep in mind that in Italy in the in the sixties and seventies, uh, the countryside was abandoned by farmers, and they all went to the cities, and uh, all these little farms and estates, abandoned estates, fell into disrepair. And Andrea found it, and what he loved about this place was its remoteness, the fact that it was so far away in, in such pristine. Natural surroundings, and uh, you know, it was it was a place to get away from the madness of, of the '70s in Rome and, and New York, and uh, you know, the big cities. And, and he loved just this fact that it was going back to basics. And then it was the ideal place to start this new winemaking adventure when he decided to move on to to that.
1: Okay, and tell me about the family interest in Sicily, Passo Picharo What does okay. that mean, first of all? Passo Pisciardo. Ah, Passo, Picharo. Passo
0: Picharo is a Sicilian uh, term. It means the fisherman's pass because it's a little time high up on Etna at about 800 meters of elevation. And that's as far up the mountain as the fish cellar would go. And so it was known as the fish cellar's pass, the Passo del Picharo, Picharo, fish cellar. Andrea has always been very fond of Sicily. Uh, He would go and spend time there in the summer, spend holidays there. On one of his uh, trips around exploring the countryside of uh, Sicily, he ended up at Passo Picharo and discovered an incredible place with incredible wine making potential. And uh, he saw all these century-old uh, vineyards abandoned to themselves which were just being kept alive by uh, local farmers for making local wine and he saw this as an incredible opportunity to start a new wine adventure with century-old vineyards. This was in 2000 so very, very recently and uh, to find uh, those conditions and of course, everybody was willing to sell because <laughs> they thought uh, only a crazy man would want to buy these old vineyards which for them were, ri- were ripe to be taken out and replaced because they,
1: they, couldn't, they couldn't sell the wine, right? Um, they weren't making any money? Or? They,
0: were, they didn't understand the potential, I think. They didn't know any better, basically. What had happened, that was an area that had a long tradition and history of winemaking that dates back to several centuries. And in fact, if you go there, you see all the... You see these wine cellars, fantastic, these these bagli uh, and it's full of them. And now, obviously, they're all being bought up and restored. But they're the testament of a glorious past. And in fact, Nerello Mascalese is very interesting because this is the local grape... That grows on that we're making wine with there is uh, very re- reminiscent of Pinot Noir. And what they were doing before the the Great War, the Second World War, there was a thriving business for exporting Nelello Mascalese wine to Burgundy to fortify the French wines. I mean, the French they will never admit to this, but that, that no, was of course that not. was that <laughs> never no, no, that
1: sort of thing never happened. With the wine business <laughs> is full of uh, honest people,
0: exactly. And and but that was that was uh, what was happening. And then, of course, the Second World War interrupted this business, and then it just never recovered. It was a gradual decline all the way till 2000 when my cousin Andrea chanced upon this area and started buying as many vineyards old vineyards as as he could get his hands on at ridiculous prices by today's standards and making this wine. And uh, at the beginning he had a little little difficulty figuring out what to make of this wine because um, there wasn't much to anything interesting to taste because the the only wine that was being made was local wine by local farmers so very rough wine. And so in the beginning he was trying to make uh, kind of a super Sicilian uh, you know the, the, the equivalent of a super in Tuscan, Tuscan in, in in Sicily but after a couple of years of trying to do that he figured out that he was going the wrong way and said you know this was not a, a grape that was fit for making that super concentrated super rich structured wine and he, he realized that he was barking up the wrong
1: tree and changed directions went the Burgundy way and the rest is you know history <laughs> so basically your family lo- loves isolation I'm amazed we got you into the studio today because you know <laughs> (laughs) All of you are like the far-flung reaches of of, uh, the possibility of growing wine on planet wine. So amazing. You're actually wearing a suit. You know, I I thought you'd turn up in some sort of sackcloth with a beard, but you're clean shaven, very smart uh, urbane. Well, you know, we're not uh, natural wine producers.
0: In fact... (laughs) We're an old-fashioned uh, winemaking school. We like our wines to be clean and transparent and uh, polished and ship-shaped. So, so no, I think you, you got the wrong the wrong image there. We like our, our things, uh, our wines to, to taste good and to look good.
1: Carlo Franckotti, thanks for coming in to explain your very complex but fascinating family history and wine. I wish you every success with your Pinot Noir, and uh, I look forward to visiting you in Tuscany at some stage. Uh, I'll turn up, but I'll be as smart as I can when I turn up. Okay? Thank you. I yeah. look forward to it. Nice to have you on the show. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Follow us at Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook.